Welcome into this week's edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside SunDevilSource.com publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. Chris, it's been a busy couple of weeks for Arizona State. The Sun Devils football spring practice slate wrapping up. Arizona State adding a few players. We'll get to that. Of course, the basketball program adding a couple transfers as well. And though it might be the offseason, though August is still a few months away, it's a busy time at SunDevilSource.com. We've got a lot going on right now, and there's plenty of content to ride us through the summer months all the way till August when football kicks off. Yet again, really exciting time and uh, just a lot going on in terms of the Sun Devil football program taking shape in its sixth year under head coach Todd Graham. Yeah, really busy. Um, in fact, it, it sort of heated up just as soon as you took off for the Boston Marathon. <laughs> yes, it which, did. Which, um, A, congratulations uh, on finishing. I, I hope people actually take a look at your blog, which they can find on Twitter and read about the experience because it's pretty impressive. Um, and B made me sort of, uh, again, realize how important you are to (laughs) operationally when, uh, when we're having the spring game and, um, there's, you know, multiple commitments happening, multiple in-state offers going out, uh, Easter's the next day. And we're still trying to, to put out the same amount of content, uh, that we're able to generate, uh, when, when you and I are both working on it. And, um, and so I, I, I regretted not, <laughs> not having you around. But um, then again, it, it certainly does uh, speak to the, the value that you have. Yeah, I, I will say this. I would not have left if I didn't think that Sam Pell was capable of uh, stepping in on oh, Saturday. Yeah. She's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, she, I think she had finished two stories before I had one done. Now, yeah. I was also uh, getting video up and doing a lot of other things. But uh, that's another person we're going to definitely miss a lot after four years exactly. of uh, working with us. So what do we have to look forward to this summer, Chris? Quite a bit. Spring ball started here in Arizona on Monday for the local high schools, and you'll be out at practices, about 15, 20 different places, talking to local kids, writing about the new kids that the ASU program is offering. And that's really important to provide contact context excuse me for the overall perspective of how asu is doing locally especially coming off of a season when todd graham really prioritized recruiting in the state of arizona yeah we love the spring for really a host of reasons and um it's not as much of an off season quote unquote as you might think for us this this is really a year-round endeavor um and we're going to talk about why that is on the ASU side in a minute. But from, from a recruiting standpoint, this is an opportunity for us to be able to go out and see and engage with some of these people, smell the grass, talk to coaches, uh, get a sense of, of who ASU's offered and what their chances are with those players locally. Of course, what you're able to accomplish on the recruiting side with your in-state talent base is essential to your uh, ability to be successful as a program, both in a micro sense in any given class, but then also macro because who who isn't um, really successful locally that is a, a great program. And um, so I, I enjoy being able to get out there and I'll be making a lot of stops. As you said, there's uh, spring ball just started on Monday of this week. Um, I haven't been out yet, but but starting next week, I'll probably hit about four or five schools a week uh, for a three to four week period as we um, as we get through it. And I want to make sure 
that you know the, the, there's you know I just there's certain guys where you watch the film mm-hmm. and they're very much like on the margin is this person good enough to play in the Pac-12 or not and I think being able to see them in person getting a, a feel for their size and stature and how they move and then also the intangibles uh, the way that they communicate in person, what their uh, their teammates and coaches have to say about them, all those things uh, matter a lot as well, and we take it pretty seriously. Well, it's a really important part of the recruiting cycle right now because, as most fans who follow recruiting closely know, that initial round of offers to the 2018 prospects went out right before and right after signing day, and then ASU was able to offer its next tier of kids, players who were certainly elite prospects but maybe just didn't get around to to get those offers right away, and now now the Sun Devils and, and really other programs around the country, around the Pac-12, are taking a look much as you will be doing at spring practices. They'll be going around and evaluating kids in the next tier who they aren't quite sure about yet. They want to go see them in person, see if they are able to really extend them a scholarship offer if they if they meet that Pac-12 caliber level threshold, if they meet the threshold, like you said, of having those intangibles on the field. So much as you will be doing over the next few weeks, Arizona State's coaching staff will be doing going around the state of Arizona, going around Southern California and taking a look at different players and personnel that they think may be able to fit the program. Exactly. And basically the way this works is you identify as early as you can the players that you obviously would, would love to have in your program and you're going to offer those people scholarships because they, they check all the boxes. They have academics that are in order. The intangibles look good. Their film is great. Coaches speak highly of them. And then you basically broaden out as you go from there. You, you get to the next tier of players that maybe took a little bit more time for you to evaluate on and off the field and get a full perspective of and have interactions with. And then um, and then you, you continue to build. And it's really important at anywhere, but especially at a place like ASU, that you have a, a large recruiting board with a lot of options, redundancy. Um, you know, Typically, I've had coaches tell me that you probably need to have about eight to ten offered kids for every one that you're going to end up with per position. So if, if, for example, you're going to take 25 in a class, right? Well, you're going to need to be recruiting somewhere in the order of 200 to 250 kids very seriously. Um, and, and that's a, that's a, a very, um, intricate process of how you get to that place and experience is what enables that to happen effectively and then also be able to keep all the balls in the air juggling with how you're communicating with all these guys and making sure that they're feeling like they're getting the attention uh, and that you're, you're putting together a social media uh, um, approach that that engages with them and, and gets them to think about ASU and, and all sorts of these things. And, and really what we're trying to do is, in a matter of speaking, we're trying to mirror that we want we want to have our own board that uh, that matches what ASU has behind closed doors in their war room, and then uh, we also want to be able to have our own independent uh, analysis of what ASU is doing and if it's really the right approach. Well, these are the months right now where the future of the Sun Devils program is taking shape, and also the content on SunDevilSource.com is taking shape right now. You can get a sense of who ASU's preferred targets are at each position, how many targets the Sun Devils have at each position, their chances of landing the number of guys that they want, and this all serves as the foundation for what we do during the rest of the recruiting cycle. When the big board eventually comes out, it's shaped by what's going on 
on in these coming months, coming weeks, and you've already done quite a bit on talking to local prospects who've been offered by ASU, getting a sense of how their recruitments are going, how their uh, relationships with the program are being built, and also some of the other prospects as well that ASU is adding to the board at this point in the process. And as you said, in the coming months, we'll be heavy on the analysis, heavy on the evaluation side. And really, those are the elements that you can get on SunDevilSource.com when you sign up for a membership, when you're on the premium site, because as a non-subscriber, yes, you'll have access to the databases to see who has offers, but you won't quite get the exact content that you're looking for, the perspective that you need to really engulf yourself and to know what's happening at, at a very important level of the program. Yeah. So the way I look at it is basically like this is a big puzzle and the, the framing, the, the out the border of the puzzle kind of gets done um, early in that uh, couple, two, three months after signing day. Then you get to the evaluation period and then you start to really be able to fill that in and see what it's going to look like. And that's where we're at right now. And that's why this is pretty exciting. Um, if you want to just follow it in a real superficial way, sure, you could do that. You could see who, they, who they've offered and you know what, what kids are listing for their top schools or maybe what a crystal ball says on a 24-7. But that doesn't really give you anywhere near the perspective that you're going to get from uh, being part of our community and, and, and a member and getting the full immersive experience into what uh, ASU's chances are at, you know, not just with each kid, but each position and what they're trying to accomplish overall and how that shapes their team and their program as you continue to, to uh, widen the aperture further and further out. And aside from looking at the players who could potentially join the program in the future, what we're doing right now is we've started our player capsule series, Chris, where we'll essentially offer our analysis of where each ASU player is in their progress, in their development at this stage of their ASU career. We'll have preparedness grades where we basically give an assessment of every single scholarship player on ASU's roster, what their career timeline arc looks like, and what 2017 could hold in store for them. We'll project their depth chart spot, look at how, how much they have to grow, where they have to grow, and really give you a clear sense of what to expect heading into the 2017 season. Exactly. And uh, a lot of times, you know, we see on the back end of this, the business side, that, that uh, memberships tend to be a little bit cyclical. Uh, you have people that get really engaged uh, when the season's about to kick off, and then they carry that all the way through signing day and then the interest level sort of wanes or maybe that they, they decide, okay, I'm going to take a few months off and then I'm going to come back. And I would just say to that, a lot of our best unpacking of um, the program, the state of the program and what the team is going to be like in subsequent year and, and, and beyond that happens actually for us in April, May, June, July, when you might think that that's the, the least active months for ASU, those are really the months that give us the most time to be able to fully develop the picture of what ASU looks like. Uh, and uh, as you said, a big part of that is, is a player capsule. We want you to be able to understand what you can expect from every single player on the ASU roster, where they're at in terms of their overall uh, preparedness. And, and, and we actually don't just tell you in an esoteric kind of a way. I mean, we actually have a developed process by which we do these things. 
anyone can go to a game in September, October, November, look onto the field, and after that game, come away and realize, hey, those are the three to five best players on ASU's roster. But for for the Sun Devil fans who really care passionately about the program, who want to see the program grow, you want to know who has the most upside, which players are the furthest away from reaching their potential, who has the greatest ceiling, and what certain players' ceilings are in terms of their skill set. And that's something that we're able to really unpack. We look at the broader, bigger picture to provide you with a much greater sense of context regarding the state of Arizona State's program. And that's what we have to look forward to this summer, Chris. So it's going to be an exciting time for us, a lot of work coming up ahead. We want to take the surprise out of this for mm-hmm. you. We, we want you to know going in, okay, these are the guys that are poised to really break out. Here's the players who are far off but have really great uh, potential down the road and what they need to actually accomplish to be able to, to get there. Um, here are guys who, who um, they don't really have the high ceilings and they're kind of more capped out at what they're going to be capable of doing. And then what that looks like in terms of each position group, um, you know, the, the the thing we're trying to do ultimately is to remove the uncertainty and the doubt from your perspective about about the program and we actually assign um, numbers to these things in a way that 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 helps try to to um, uh, remove a lot of that from the from the process and is it is it perfect no but I think that that it's um, much better and much more um, developed than um, what you're what you're typically going to see out there. Just um, being a casual fan of a program. And for those fans who really stop at signing day, who don't follow recruiting past signing day, they've missed a lot this off season because Arizona State has been active in the past few weeks. Chris, as you mentioned, at the spring game, Arizona State was able to pick up two more commitments for the class of the 2017 Sun Devils. They brought in Kobe Williams, corner. Uh, corner prospect from Long Beach College, as well as DeMonte King, a bandit spur prospect from Long Beach. Teammates there, they joined Darian Cornet as three defensive back types that the Sun Devils have all brought in from junior colleges in Southern California since signing day to try and really replenish that ASU defensive backfield that has just been beaten down over the past two seasons. And um, if you're familiar with our work, you, you know that that's, of course, something that we've talked about is, is an area where ASU has been thin on uh, both uh, scholarship numbers and talent. And so, of course, that's where they would be trying to replenish. And, and um, really, the uh, other thing that you kind of know it from if you're a, a member is um, what type of caliber you can expect to get from these types of recruits who sign with, with the program in, say, March and April compared to people who have long-standing offers and make their commitments more in peak s- recruiting season. And, and that's really important as well. But, um, you know, in the case of DeMonte King, Colby Williams, Darian Cornet, uh, you have Todd Graham candidly saying during the spring, look, we're going to have five or six more guys that aren't even on our campus that are going to uh, help us out in the secondary. And, of course, he's uh, someone who wants to speak things into affirmation and is 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 saying that um, aspirationally, I would say about what he hopes to happen because he knows that ASU needs a lot of help on the back end of its secondary, and and w- what this does is it gives them um, a mix of additional players who um, 
are redundant options in case others don't work out. So you have, you know, another couple different ways that you can go. And then you have um, some players who, even though they're JUCOs, they, um, they're still got four years left uh, of, uh, on their scholarship clocks. And so uh, just talking about these guys individually, DeMonte King, um, safety out of uh, Long Beach, as you said there, Kerry, but he was at Montana State for two years prior to that. So he's three years removed from high school. He's an older guy, 22, I think he is. And, uh, and King is basically someone who's played in a variety of ways. He started at Montana State as a redshirt freshman. And, uh, and I think uh, he's probably better served to be like a bandit or spur prospect. Uh, as we go into um, um, his future, right? But but maybe he can play some field side. But he's more of a finished product, I think, right now than some of these other guys, just given his age and his already three years of experience at the college level. And then uh, with Kobe Williams, you have somebody who's like as as diametrically opposed as you possibly could be for a junior college player because. Uh, Williams was 17 years old as a high school senior at Long Beach Poly the whole season uh, until November when he turned 18. So last year was his first year at Long Beach Junior College. He was, uh, or actually I should say he was 17 at mm-hmm. Long Beach College. Pardon me. So he was he was 16 as a high school senior until the very end of his, uh, of his season when he turned 17, graduated as a 17-year-old, and he was 17 throughout his freshman year. He was the youngest player on the Long Beach roster, turned 18. He's still 18, and now he has four years to play three. The reason that Kobe Williams didn't have more offers than he did is because most people sort of expect that he was going to come back and play another season of junior college ball at Long Beach. And and I think at that point, he probably would have had uh, a lot more interest. He was an all-league player, actually, in his first year as a corner. Um, Darian Cornet, also four for three. So another guy who's younger, came out of Los Alamitos High School. All these guys are from the Southern California area originally and in junior college, played junior college at Cerritos, had a pretty good season. I think, again, he was somebody who was probably going to uh, – his recruitment was only really at its early fledgling stages. And uh, he's someone who can play either – corner or that field side safety position. I think that he's a little bit more physically prepared to play right now than Kobe Williams. I think Kobe Williams may be a red shirt guy. And I say that knowing that ACU doesn't have a lot of scholarship returning uh, players at corner, but I think perhaps we could see Darian Cornet out there on the field this year, as opposed to a red shirt year and, and ASU may still not be done. Yet, Kerry. Yeah, that, that is true. The Sun Devils are considering adding another junior college player, a guy who picked up an offer recently, and that's Chandler High alum, Mesa Community College wide receiver Deontay Sykes. And he had a chance to catch up with Sykes. Nine touchdowns, 35 catches last year for Mesa Community College. Bigger-bodied guy, sixth semester in junior college. So there's questions about whether he'll be an academic qualifier at the next level. But at the very least, the Sun Devils are taking a look at him. I feel like Deontay Sykes' recruitment started before you were shaving, Kerry. Do, 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 do you shave now? I, I've been shaving for about eight years. So yeah, I, I know. I was I've very seen, young. I've seen you. I've seen you. I've seen you with a beard, a faux beard. Yeah. I really recall it. <laughs> but but there have been some great comments on the Sun Devil Source message board about how long Deontay Sykes' recruitment has gone on for. And your beard, <laughs> really? I don't know about that. When we think about it, <laughs> no, probably not. But. No. But yeah, um, Deontay Sykes, literally somebody that we were talking about in 2013, 
Um, Carrie was just out of diapers then. <laughs> and, and so now here we still are in 2017 talking about Deontay Sykes. It's, it's, it's becoming a Groundhog Day scenario rapidly, but he, he's finishing up his third year of uh, junior college football at Mesa. Um, he was somebody that ASU allegedly offered in high school. Don't think it actually was an official offer. Ended up committing to UCLA, didn't pan out, signed with San Diego State, didn't qualify, and went to Mesa. He had a pretty good um, uh, redshirt sophomore year because he, he redshirted in between two years. Um, and yeah, they've offered him, and that's legitimate, and he's a two-to-play-two two guy, but he told me that he's waiting to find out where things stand with Utah, Cal, and maybe Texas A&M before a decision in the next week. And didn't he also have an offer from Oregon State at the beginning of this recruiting cycle? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. He was. <laughs> I mean, there's no shortage of West Coast schools he was that have been interested in, he, no, he in actually, Deontay well, his dad, His dad, Kelron Sykes, played at Oregon State, actually, mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. And, and Kelron spent a lot of time around ASU because he's been involved in the student um, uh, mentorship um program that ASU has the championship life but uh but uh so Sykes was committed to Oregon State uh last November is when it took place and then uh, he ended up not signing with the program and you know his his perception of that was that uh, they didn't really uh keep him up to speed on what all was going on or the, the reasoning for him not having a scholarship at the end of the day now, whether or not that's true, I'm not. I can't say um, on the Oregon State side what exactly happened, but, but yeah, I mean, this guy's been through a, as elongated a recruiting uh, experience as I think is possible. And and he said, look, that ship has sailed. I'm ready to be done with it and, and be playing somewhere. And I, the way he sounded, at least, it, it, it seemed sincere. I'm going to say this: There's one player who can challenge Deontay Sykes, and if you you really know college football, you follow it closely. Tate Martell, who's now a freshman at Ohio State, was getting recruited as like an eighth grader. If he redshirts this year and plays four years at Ohio State, he'll have been in the college football news cycle for ten years. That's a good point. And there, there's been a few guys. There. <laughs> there's a few guys like that. There was but, a USC commit in, as an eighth grader mm-hmm. as a quarterback. And yeah, a few other guys. Uh, I want, do you think Chris Wenke was getting recruited oh, the entire time that he was uh, <laughs> playing baseball and doing other things? Chris Wenke, the guy wasn't he like yeah. thirty by the time he finishes? Yeah. Brandon Whedon career? as well. Brandon Whedon, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Brandon Whedon was collecting his social security by the, by time, the time he finished up at Oklahoma reti- State. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had the triple chin going already. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. As you mentioned, <laughs> why do we have to move on? I think we were just getting to some good stuff. There. We, were, we were getting to, to people who dominated the news cycle for ten years. Eh. So okay. ASU, of course, has added now four players after National Signing Day. We mentioned the three defensive back prospects. They also added tight end C.J. Frenchlove about a few weeks after the uh, National Signing Day. That's his real name. Passed, yes, C.J. Frenchlove, former high school teammate of JoJo Wicker. And you'd have to imagine that he uh, knew of Kobe Williams. Or was he the Long Beach Poly guy? Yeah, they yeah. were on the same team together. Exactly. They, were, they, they also know each other well. So there you go. ASU right now at 82 scholarships. Of course, we do expect there will be some attrition at the end of the academic year, but the Sun Devils could still add a player like Sykes or a post-grad transfer from a Division I school or take on another player who sits out like Ryan Newsom and John Humphrey did last year. So the roster obviously still taking shape for ASU. Moving on now to some of the local offers that ASU put out 
on the day of its spring game. The Sun Devils offered two more players. They'd already had four in-state offers out to high school prospects. Those four offers were out to Solomon Enos, Mateo Maley, Josiah Bradley, and Joey Ramos. And the Sun Devils extended offers to Mountain Point safety Kenny Churchwell and Centennial cornerback Dominique Hampton, Chris. Right. So uh, Churchwell told us that this was the third time the charm because he had been on ASU's campus twice previously for junior day events. On the third time, he thought, okay, it's going to be another meet and greet. I'm going to get some face time with the coaches. It's not really going to go anywhere. But he actually received the offer in person, and he said that he started crying uh, on the spot when it happened, um, which... And that's, you know, when you see a kid have that, that's that that's kind of touching that, you know, for that for that kid, he's having that sort of a moment. Um, Recruitment hasn't really taken off yet. We'll see what happens. Mountain Point obviously gets a a slew of coaches coming through during the evaluation period. And and he could he could continue. Uh, He's a physical safety. He's someone that I think is, is, is well suited to play in the box at the next level. Bandit, maybe spur. And um, and then Dominique Hampton's a, a really long mm-hmm. six foot two. Yeah, six two corner. Um, he's a little bit um, of a kind of a long strider and kind of a gazelle out there. The way he, he he moves around, not necessarily a quick twitch, but a glider type of a corner, like the bigger NFL type corners that you see. Some of them, like a Richard Sherman. I'm not saying that obviously he's <laughs> yes. anywhere that caliber of a prospect, but but like those types of guys, right? Um, it, he said, you know, ASU had been doing a pretty good job of staying in touch with uh, with with him, and uh, and the recruitment was going well. And, and but he's somebody that I think will go through the process and be really diligent and take a lot of official visits. So I don't think either one of these guys necessarily will be committing uh, in the coming months. Sometimes you do get those in-state guys who grew up and they're passionate about ASU or they love the idea of being able to play at home in front of their, their family and friends and then they make an early decision. I don't know that there's anybody like that among the offered guys in this class. Well, it's going to be hard to challenge. We've said this for a while for the Sun Devils to meet their 2016 recruiting class standard that they set because they signed so many players from the state of Arizona. And that's really because the state of Arizona doesn't have as deep of a talent pool in the 2017, well, 2018, I guess, recruiting cycle. The Sun Devils went heavy on local prospects this year. They've already offered six players, Chris, but some of the other players who might be on the radar for ASU right now, Tyler Shaw, the Hamilton quarterback, Jack Plummer, quarterback at Gilbert, Giovanni Miranda, Saguaro safety, Max Wilhite, Desert Edge player, Jawar Jordan, a scat back type out of Hamilton High School, and James Stagg, defense end at Desert Vista. Those are all guys who ASU will probably get out and look at during the spring evaluation period, maybe even look at uh, extensively during the fall, get some game film on them, and see if ASU you will be offering any more local players in the 2018 season. And I'm going to go see a lot of those guys and, mm-hmm. and get a feel for them and what's possible. But like you said, Carrie, ASU took, they signed nine local in-state high school players in that 2017 class. At this point, they've only offered six locally in 2018. Maybe that expands by a few, but I don't think more than that. So they, they actually may offer right around the number that they actually signed last year. And keep in mind, ASU historically signing less than 50% of the, the in-state uh, offers that they put out. And so this is going to be, unless they really um, stretch their offers out and they start go, going on guys that maybe are more sleeper type uh, players, 
Um, this is going to be a class in which fewer offers in state and fewer commitments. And so, um, as we'll explain in a lot greater detail on the premium side of our site, um, that means that they're going to have to find players in other in other locations. Well, switching gears a bit, we already talked about transfers coming into the ASU football program. It's time to talk about the transfers that the ASU basketball program has added in recent days, Chris. The Sun Devils on the football side, those players that we mentioned, Kobe Williams, DeMonte King, Darian Cornet, those players will have a tough time assimilating and, and really finding a role uh, in that ASU defensive backfield. However, on the basketball side, the Sun Devils added two guys who have the chance to impact the program when they are eligible, and that's the 2018-2019 season in guard Rob Evans or Rod Rob Edwards, excuse me, from <laughs> Cleveland State, and Zylan Cheatham, a South Mountain High School guy from San Diego State. You did what I did earlier before we, we mm-hmm. taped the podcast. You, you a former ASU person, Rob Evans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think ASU fans want to see Rob Evans again, <laughs> no. but, but they're very interested in Rob, Edward. Rob Edwards. Yeah, yes. very. Uh, Rob Edwards, uh, 16.5 points, four and a half rebounds last year. He had 28 points against Kentucky. Of course, they were blown out. It's Cleveland State after all. But uh, so was ASU blown out against Kentucky. It's ASU after all. Yeah. And nobody had (laughs) in basketball against Kentucky. Yes, that's a fair assessment. Um, And and ASU had just uh, 14 points from two players in that game. So Rob Edwards is somebody that Bobby Hurley said is a, is a uh, big time scoring guard, six, four, he's 200 pounds, very strong. Um, I heard that he benches nearly 400 pounds. Um, and this is a guy who, who, who brings an element of toughness uh, from his game. He's an inner city kid, comes from Detroit, um, went to Cleveland state, um, you know, felt like when the coaching staff left there, didn't have a connection to the program anymore. That was the only offer he had, uh, coming out of high school, the only guy who really recruited him. And so he wanted to sort of broaden his horizons. He's going to have to sit out this year and then be able to play two. Now, why is that a big, a big deal, uh, for ASU? Of course, they're going to be losing Trey Holder, Shannon Evans and Cody justice after this season. Well, now they're going to have this other guy who's already demonstrated that he has the ability to score at a high level uh, and be a go-to wing, uh, be able to step into a role and, and, uh, and be fully immersed in the ASU system and know the offense and the scheme and the other players and all that kind of stuff. So getting a guy like Rob Edwards was, was very important to maintaining um, the team after this coming season, which should be their uh, obviously their best of the three years under Hurley, uh, they've been building up to this. Um, you know whether or not they're a tournament t- caliber team or not remains to be seen. I tend to think probably not, but they 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 it's it's, it's something to actually have a conversation about mm-hmm. for the first time under Bobby Hurley. Uh, and then and then Zylan Cheatham is a local guy coming home. Uh, Cheatham went to San Diego State out of South Mountain High School. He was a top 100 recruit, explosive athlete at 6'8 or so, um, really a run and jump player who is an athletic uh, transition specimen, plays above the rim. Um, he's the type of guy that has uh, tip dunks, put back dunks, lob dunks that end up on highlight packages. You see him on Sports Center. Uh, plays with a lot of energy. Um, he has a limited offensive skill set, primarily related to his ability to shoot the ball. Um, he he um, made um, a, a tiny fraction 
of uh, his field goals from three-point range. I think uh, 0.13s per game converted and 0.4 taken per game. Uh, so so even though he's a face-the-basket player primarily because he doesn't have a, a post game with his back to the basket, he's more of a mid-range type of a player, and a lot of that has to happen uh, in a scrum, cleaning up offensive rebounds. He's a very good rebounder. Uh, but... Um, in the case of Cheatham, um, he has to sit out this season also. And then he has uh, one year of eligibility unless uh, a waiver, a hardship waiver is granted, which is being filed because his grandmother's ailing apparently. And he wanted to be able to come home to be close with her and help take care of her. If that's granted, he would have two years after sitting out a year. So those are the two additions for ASU basketball. Rob Edwards, the guard from Cleveland State, and then Zylan Cheatham, as you just mentioned, his game out of San Diego State, six foot eight player. ASU lost a commitment from Kenny Wooten, a post player, class of 2017, who was committed to the program and was expected to sign with ASU. The day before he was expected to do so, he announced his decommitment. He just committed to Oregon and Dana Altman, becoming the first player on that roster right now because everyone left the program after their final four run. So Wooten's got that team all to himself that leaves the Sun Devils with one scholarship left to go and Chris that will either go to Carlton Bragg a Kansas transfer visiting over the weekend of May 1st and May 2nd or John Walker Marshall High School in Texas who's a post player a combo forward right so with Kenny Wooten I'm not sure if that is a wash with the trade out to Zylan Cheatham or not um, I think I think Wooten would have played some as a true freshman. Cheatham can't play this year. Then he has one or two. I think Kenny Wooten is the guy you probably would have rather had overall, all things considered. But uh, ASU recovered relatively well to get Cheatham. There's not a lot of guys who are 6'8 or taller and talented that are available at this juncture in April. And so that that's a pretty good recovery, and, and it builds them toward the future. Um ASU, as you said, does have this one scholarship left. Carlton Bragg is, was a top 50 recruit coming out of high school, went to Kansas, uh, high rebound margin per minute, 6'9", uh, active around the glass, has a building, uh, a post game, um, really more of a four slash five type of a guy. And um, he's visiting ASU officially uh, May 1st starting. I'm hearing from sources that this could get done quickly as long as ASU administration signs off on it. Uh, and then um, if that doesn't happen, then I think we'll see ASU jump on uh, John Walker, who um, is a 6'8 kid with a seven foot wingspan, sort of a earlier in his development type prospect. He's a good athlete, but he's somebody who needs to gain 20 to 30 pounds of strength and size and uh, really sort of fill into his body and, 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 and get um, athletically a lot more capable of being able to play at this level. Uh, probably somebody who would redshirt and then have four years left. I'm not sure what ASU, who ASU is going to end up with, but I think that will round out its roster at 13 scholarships. Well, when you look at ASU's roster, 13 scholarships, you already know that Rob Edwards and uh, Zylan Cheatham won't be able to play next year. So this puts ASU in a position where they'll have about 10 guys in that possible rotation. And that's really what you're looking for as a Division One Pac-12 team because you're going to have – players who know their roles and players who are accepting of their roles. You're not going to have too many players who are spending extended periods of time on the bench. Exactly. The net effect of this is 
it's easier to map out who your starting lineup and key rotational players are going to be in each of the next two seasons. Uh, for Bobby Hurley, it's a sign that he's thinking long-term. He's not thinking about like, oh, trying to just get whatever he can for this season and then maybe take off if he, if, if he gets a, a parallel or maybe a little bit better job in a different part of the country. So I think it, it speaks to his mindset going in. Um, it, it creates less friction on your on your roster because you know typically you have if you have 11 or 12 guys who are eligible to play three or four of them aren't going to be in the rotation then does that destabilize your roster are guys unhappy are they sharing that with their teammates is that taking you down as a program you're not going to really have that that much of a problem when you have uh two d1 transfers who are coming in who aren't going to be able to play the third guy is either going to be a D1 transfer who's not going to be able to play or it's going to be a young player who has to redshirt. You're going to have nine or ten players who are going to be competing for rotation. That gives you enough competitive depth from uh, from a practice standpoint because those other guys are going to be able to go, and yet nobody's really feeling all that unhappy about their minutes, maybe one or two players, and those players you're not necessarily feeling probably that bad about. Uh, and then also ASU already – has has um, seen several players depart the program like a Jethro Shasumpa um, and Andre Adams who maybe would have been guys who would have been unhappy with roles uh, more so than, than, than the remaining guys. So I think they're entering a period now where they, they'll probably have their, their most talented and deepest teams, not just next year, but also the following year. Think, think about having Remy Martin as a point guard. Kamani Lawrence. Kamani Lawrence. Is, it, it, these guys are coming in. Kamani Lawrence, I think, probably ends up st- a starter this year. Uh, Remy Martin plays a key backup role to Evans and Holder. But then after this season, you have, you have um, uh, him being able to take over Remy Martin paired with uh, Rob Edwards, on the perimeter, you get Zylan Cheatham. Then you have another, you have uh, Romello White as a mm-hmm. post player who's a top 100 caliber player. Mitchell. And Mickey Mitchell coming off of uh, transferring, not, a, not able to play until December. And Kamani Lawrence, then by, by that you know time, is a sophomore. So really, roster continuity, stability, probably fewer transfers, Bobby Hurley having a longer range perspective. And a lot of these things, by the way, or what we would typically talk about on in our premium content, mm-hmm. but I just want to give you some perspective on what it is that we do on that side on, on, on in basketball, uh, so that you can kind of get a better perspective of, of how that also works in football as well. So many moving pieces in the basketball offseason, not just at Arizona State, but around the country. So that is our overview of the Sun Devils program to date. We've already talked about all the content that we'll have on sundevilsource.com in the coming months. Chris, we've also got some exciting podcasts planned for the next few weeks and the next few months as well. The offseason will be full of guests. We're hoping to really provide an overall perspective of the ASU Athletic Department, the ASU program, maybe speak with some ASU football and basketball alumni as well. Yeah, we're going to take you um, on a 360-degree perspective of ASU athletics, not just giving you a a lot of scoop on football and basketball. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. For publisher Chris Cartman, I'm your host, Kerry Crowley, saying so long. Let's go get a beer.